My message this morning is called Silencing the Soul or Muzzle the Beast. I'll let you decide which one you want to name it. Silencing the Soul or Muzzling the Beast. In Psalm 46, verse 10, this is what it says. God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There's a modern translation of the Bible called the Message Bible. How many of you here ever read the Message Bible? So I want to read this scripture to you from the Message Bible. It is not a word-for-word translation. It is a, um, a paraphrase. But this is what it says. Step out of the traffic. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me. Your high God, who is above politics and above everything. Sometimes we have to learn how to step out of the traffic. And the traffic could be the busyness of your family and your children. The traffic could be the busyness of work. The traffic could be the busyness of your sports and your recreation. But the bottom line is, we all have traffic. And God says that as people, we need to learn how to step out of our traffic, step out of the noisiness of our world. You see, your soul will constantly speak to you from all the clatter and all the chatter of life. Your soul will play back to you all the noise, good and bad, that's going on in your day-to-day life, and it'll get very loud in your soul. And when our soul is noisy, we can't hear from God. And so life is often like this. We're minding our own business, but it's full of noise. And this is going on in our soul. God wants to talk to us, but we can't hear because there's so much noise. God said, be still. Step out of the traffic and know that I am God. One of the reasons why the church of Jesus Christ has lost its power and lost its voice and lost its influence is because we live with a soul that is still full of of a lot of noise. God wants to speak to you, but it's very hard for God to talk over the noise that's in our soul. Good preaching. Yeah, that's great. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, this is what it says about Jesus. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Everyone look at me. How many of you enjoy end time studies about Jesus Christ coming back again? Put your hand up. You like to study when he's coming, signs of the times and all of those things. Can I give you a sign that is often overlooked when we study end time things? People get all excited about the mark of the beast and chips and what's happening in the, the, the European market, etc., etc. But let me give you a really important sign that never, ever gets discussed. It's in 2 Thessalonians, and this is what the Apostle Paul says. Before the coming of the man of lawlessness, that's the Antichrist, notice... The closer he comes, the more lawlessness increases. Yes, sir. Before the coming of the man of lawlessness, there will be a great apostasy, a great falling away. What I'm preaching today and what I am about to unfold for you, after your salvation... It's probably the most important message you need to hear. 
Either your soul will dictate to you, it'll yell at you, it'll scream at you, it'll tug you, it'll pull you. But because the soul is broken, it doesn't have good things to say. Occasionally, it may pat you on the back, but very rarely will it line up with the things of God. For those of you that are new to the series, I have been sharing how before the fall, God created us spirit, then soul, then body. Whenever that phrase is used in the world, in the secular, it's always body, soul, and spirit. You see, that is a disorder, and disorder always leads to confusion. And confusion never leads to peace. But when you have order, there is no confusion, and you will have peace. And the the divine principle of God is that everything is spirit first, then soul. Soul is the realm of your mind, your intellect, your logic, your memories. The soul is the mind of the intellect and the mind of your emotions. That's where we get damaged the most. When we are emotionally broken, it's because logically we know, whoa, this person said they loved me, and now they're doing this, this, and this. My emotions cannot cope with this change and altered mental reality that I'm facing. And so we get broken in our soul, and we start to... (laughs) It scars us, it damages us, it wrecks us. We are meant to be spirit, soul, and body, but from the fall, Adam and Eve gave way in the temptation, first to the pull of the soul. Satan enticed their soul, and he also enticed their flesh. He enticed their soul with knowledge. I'll give you knowledge beyond the knowledge God wants to give you. The sad thing was, it was not only the knowledge of the good that comes from God, but it was also the knowledge of evil. And he gave them the opportunity to eat from the knowledge of evil. And they did. But they also saw that the fruit looked good, and it was delicious, and it was desirable, and it appealed to their physical body. We spend more time dealing with our physical attributes in our physical body and the well-being of our body, tanning it, toning it, uh, thinning it. I I, I actually have spent a lot of time expanding it. (laughs) We deal with our mind. We go through school and education and we'll spend eighty, dollars $120,000 to get a degree so that we could get a job so that we could make a living. But it's from your spirit that you make a life. And so the world puts the emphasis on the body and on the soul. We want to get our emotions fixed up and we do things to gratify our emotions and to have a high. And there's nothing wrong with going to see a movie or going to a baseball game or a a, a hockey game. Aren't the lightning doing really well, by the way? Yeah, I didn't say that. (laughs) the lightning's doing great and all of that stuff is okay and it's stuff that helps to entertain the soul but we have to do something to stir up and build our spirit and so what happens is our soul gets so filled with negativity it gets filled with crisis it gets filled with uh, 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 insecurity and everything in the world starts to weigh down on us and we must do what Jesus did and it says he often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed there's going to be a great falling away yes Jesus is coming back yes the signs of, of the times are everywhere But the Bible also says that there will be a great falling away. And you could say to me, Pastor, we're faith people. Don't say that. It is written. It is written. It is written. And every word that is in the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Can I get an agreement? And so as a a shepherd and as the pastor of this church... 
At times I know I preach things that are uncomfortable. I know at times I preach things we don't really want to hear. But I have this, this shepherd's eye and this daddy heart that says, Rob, it's not about your popularity. It's about preaching the truth and raising up a standard in the church of Jesus Christ so that his bride will be as beautiful as she should be when he comes to take her home. Can I get an agreement? His bride, his church was meant to push in the gates of darkness. Unfortunately, we're so quiet, the gates of darkness are crowding out the church. We need to revive ourselves in the things of God and we need to burn a candle and we need to light a fire and we need to stir up a passion and we need to speak to our soul and say, soul, step out of the traffic and be alone with God. Can I get agreement here today? I love that word often, and I love that word but. So much happens in life, but Jesus set the example as the firstborn of many brethren. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke chapter 6, the next chapter, it says, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. Matthew 14, 23. Hey, you could say, well, he did that because he was God. If he was God and he needed to do that, how much do you and I need to do that? In Matthew chapter 14, 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. You know, I, I, I thank God that there are people in this church, and maybe far more than I realize, and in the church of Jesus Christ at large, that are digging their heels in. They're not bunkering down. They're getting ready to fight. I invited a man in this church to come and have lunch with me after a Sunday service. He said, well, I'd love to, Pastor, but my custom has always been that after church, I spend time with God and I pray, so I'd have to pass up the invite. I, I got to tell you, I was honored. He gave me up for Jesus. He stood me up for the Lord, and I thought, I love this guy. I wasn't offended in the slightest. I thought that was fantastic, see? Uh, my body was crying out for food, and his spirit was crying out for more of God. And uh, I say that to his credit. In Mark chapter 6, verse 46, this is what it says. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. How do you silence the soul? You see, your soul, our soul is so full of noise. It's so full of agenda. It's so full of busyness. And I've never seen parents more busy than I see parents today. Where our kids are on every kind of sport athletic team, and we're driving them around here, there, and everything. We're driving them to their friends. And I'm not preaching against that. But what precedence are you setting for your kids if you can do all that, but you can't do that much to benefit your spirit? You see, we'll feed the flesh. We'll feed the flesh in a lot of ways. We'll feed the flesh by, uh, you know, with makeup, by getting our hair done. We feed the flesh by attending to it, by dieting, by eating, by going to the gym, by working out. We feed the flesh in many ways. We feed the soul in many ways. That's why I'm happy we're not 60 minutes in and out. I want your kids growing up seeing... Mom and dad will spend time in church, obviously. The things of God and the things of the Spirit are worth it. Amen. People ask me, how do you stay so passionate? 
Number one, I stay passionate because I've experienced God. Number two, and number two is a huge reason. When I was nine years old, coming from a very close-knit Italian family, my mom and dad left America and left their family to go to a nation that back in those days, no one ever talked about this country. Today, everyone says they want to visit it. But in 1967, Australia was the ends of the earth. The first time we ever went there, it took us 28 hours by plane to get there. And mom and dad, I remember to this day the sight at the airport. In fact, I remember waking up as a little boy once we had gotten to Australia. Many times in the middle of the night, I'd wake up crying because I missed uh, <clears throat> the family back home. And my parents set an example that the things of God, I watched my parents cry their eyes out. I watched my mother write letters to her mother. It didn't matter what time she got home at night. In fact, I still have stacks of those letters. Every night she wrote to her mother, you will never convince me that there wasn't a deep bond and a deep love. There was a deep love, but it was the sacrifice in spite of that deep love that showed me there was a love for God that was even greater. What are you telling your kids when you're not saying anything? What are you telling your kids and how are you preparing them to face what's coming up ahead? What precedents are you setting and what priorities are you living We need to get out of the traffic and get alone with God. And every one of us needs to develop a time where we pray and we read the Word of God and we feed our spirit. Our soul has been enlarged. We treat our soul to entertainment. We treat our soul to movies. We treat our soul to all kinds of fun activities. Anything we feel, if it feels good, do it. Anything we feel, we do it. We treat our mind to education, and we definitely treat our bodies. We pamper our bodies. But how much do we treat our spirit and how much do we feed our spirit? Listen to this here. Both Matthew and Mark write word for word the same sentence. Matthew 26, verse 36, Mark 14, 32. This is the only time where Jesus, we have a record that Jesus took all of his disciples and asked them to come and pray with him. He was going to go to a lonely place. It was just before the crucifixion. This is the only record in all the Gospels where he said to the 12 disciples, uh, come, follow me, we're going to go pray. And he went to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And he... he he, he had the disciples sit down. He says, now start to pray. And he took John with him. He took Peter with him. He took James with him. And he went a bit further along. He says, you guys sit here and you pray. And Jesus left them and went further along. And he went to pray by himself. He came back. He passes Peter, James, and uh, John. They're asleep. He goes further and he finds the other guys asleep. And he says, guys, come on. Can't you pray one hour? You see, our soul can watch a movie. We could have a movie marathon. We could stuff our face with a bag of popcorn and then stuff it with a second bag and stuff it with a third bag because I've done it. We know how to treat our body and we know how to treat our soul, but we don't know how to feed our spirit. Here are these guys. They walked in the miraculous while Jesus was on earth. And Jesus is trying to prepare them because a time is coming where while at the moment the throngs of people are coming around you, Jesus knew he was going to leave them and it was going to be them and the Holy Ghost. And Jesus wasn't going to be there to hold their hands. Church, I'm telling you that while I'm still looking for great revival, I don't have a clear window into the future. And all I know is that the Word of God says that the thief comes like a roaring lion. And I want to make sure that you know how to roar louder than him.
The second time round, they fell asleep again, and Jesus said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Two points. Number one, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Listen, it's the spirit your spirit in conjunction with the Holy Spirit of God that will keep you safe and keep you out of trouble and keep you strong. It's your soul that at times will pull you into very dark places, whether that dark place is depression and self-doubt and self-mutilation or whether that dark place is a place of temptation. Jesus said, you've got to feed your spirit so that you'll be strong. You'll be able to stand. And when temptation comes, it'll have no hold on you. And then he goes on and he says, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And for those of you that have been part of this series, you could go back if you weren't here and listen to the podcast. And you'll see that I broke that down in the Greek and In the Greek, when it says the spirit is willing, this is what Jesus was saying. The spirit is always predisposed to follow God and uh, uh, take a veil to throw itself into the things of God. But the soul is broken. And it actually says that the soul is broken. You and I have to learn how to live from our spirit so that we will not live under the control of a broken soul. Can I get agreement? Jesus no sooner, Jesus no sooner said this to his disciples and they had fallen asleep. Did you know that in the gospels we have no record of Peter going away by himself to pray? There is no record of John doing it, or James, or any of the twelve. There's only record of Jesus doing it. And here at this most important moment, the disciples find themselves sleeping because their soul was stronger than their spirit. And Jesus says, watch and pray so that you don't fall. Guys, you got to get this. Do you know what happened immediately after that? A crisis came. Judas came with the temple guards and with soldiers. And Peter immediately put on his ugly face because he hadn't spent time in the Spirit. He pulls out a sword. He cuts off the ear of one of the men that had come to arrest Jesus. And if it wasn't that Jesus said, Hear, hear. And picked up that ear and put it back on that man's head. It could have been bloodshed and they could have all gotten wiped out then and there. Because they started to rebel against the authorities. Jesus stepped in and did a miracle. But Jesus was the one who spent an hour in the spirit praying. You see, the hour of temptation will come. You don't have to plan it. You don't have to devise it. The enemy will look for an opportunity. When Jesus came out of the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and he had defeated the enemy, the Bible says, the Bible gives us these statements so that we have records. And the Bible says, and Satan left him for a more opportune time. The enemy is the one who chooses the time and the opportunity. You have to watch and pray and be on your guard. Can I get an agreement? These guys didn't stay and pray. They fell asleep. Their soul overread, overrode their spirit. And so within minutes, here's Peter pulling out the sword, putting on his ugly face, ready to go in a conflict, and Jesus had to calm the storm of Peter. A short time after that, here's Peter denying Jesus. And the rooster crows three times, and now Peter's filled with condemnation and self-loathing, filled with guilt. All of the disciples fled after the crucifixion, and the next time we find them, they had gone back to their old ways. They were fishing on the side of the shore. Listen to me. 
If we live by the sword, you will die by the sword. If you live by your soul, you will die by your soul. We must learn to step into the Spirit and live from our spirit. I don't believe in convenient Christianity because convenient Christianity is the house of straw. And the wolf will come and he will huff and he will puff and it won't take anything to blow that house down. You and I have got to build a house that is built on the Word of God and we need to discipline our spirit. Well, we need to discipline our soul to come into agreement with our spirit and the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. There's a key. I want to share a key with you. And the key is Isaiah chapter 40. We all know the scripture. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. They will mount up with wings as eagles. How many of you have ever quoted that scripture? Mount up with wings as eagles and their strength will be renewed. And we've heard umpteen stories or sermons about the eagle and how the eagle looks into the sun and his strength is renewed and how an eagle's wingspan can carry him and how he can soar on the thermal currents. But listen here, I want to show you something. It says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles and they will run and not be weary and they will walk and not faint. And what does that word wait? Okay, I'm going to wait for God to do it. No, that's not what the word wait. You see, we lose so much in the English translation and that's why I keep taking you back to the Hebrew and to the Greek. That word wait is the word kwava. And it comes from a primitive root, which means to bind together as in twisting. It's the art of taking three strands and twisting them together and making one cord out of them. And so the concept of waiting on God is not to sit on your butt and say, yeah, okay, when's God going to show up? I've been praying for a miracle. No, the art of waiting on God is getting alone with Him just like Jesus did. How many of you think God knows how to wait on God? So Jesus, who is God, knew how to wait on God, and He often separated Himself to pray. And to wait on God, that verse literally means to have time with your spirit and His Holy Spirit, so that you become intertwined with God. Jesus said, I am in you, and you are in me, and I am in my Father. Wow. You see, church, that doesn't happen in the clatter and the chatter of the busyness of life that gets into our soul. You and I have got to step out of the traffic. We've got to step out of our soul and step into the Spirit and have time with God, have time with the Holy Ghost, have time with Jesus, and wait on Him with meditation. Wait on Him by praying, taking Scripture, reading it, speaking it into yourself. Last week, if you weren't here, I preached on Soul Talk. You can listen to these sermons on podcasts. You can share them with your friends. I talked about Soul Talk. It is so important. If you're not talking to your soul from the Word of God, your soul will be talking to you from rubbish. It'll talk to you from a trash dump. It'll talk to you from a garbage dump. Are you hearing me, church? Our soul gets the clutter of all that sound you heard before, and it'll talk back to you. It'll talk trash. You've got to talk to your soul. But the best way to talk to your soul is to talk to God and meditate on His Word. Speak it. Repeat it softly, loudly. I love the fact last week I showed you in the Hebrew, the word meditate doesn't mean to empty your mind. It actually means to put the Word of God in your mouth and to confess it over and over again. And I love the fact that in its description, it said to utter the Word, mutter the Word, quietly speak the Word. It said to roar the Word. I love that. I love to quote Scripture and roar into the atmosphere. 
See, I'm just practicing my growl. The devil has a growl, but my growl is better than the devil's growl. Come on, church. Come on. And so to wait on the Lord is to set time aside and be alone with God. Listen, when you do that, your soul is going to say, oh, what time is it? Oh, I feel hungry. Your body's going to talk to you. Your soul's going to talk to you. Oh, Mary was supposed to meet me. Oh, I got to pick up the kids. Oh, I got to do this here. We could sit and watch a movie for 120 minutes, and we can't spend 30 minutes alone with God every day. And it's evidence that the soul is broken, the soul is weak. Listen to me, church. I want you to stand. I want you to be strong. And I want your kids to be with you in eternity. And it's not about works, but it sure is about hanging on to Jesus and not losing the faith in the last days. Can I get an agreement? Absolutely. I believe in the supernatural power of God. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe they're still for today. We see them in operation in this church. But how does that happen? It doesn't happen because uh, I'm constantly out there just having fun. I'm not against golf. I'm not against baseball. I'm not against movies. I'm not against you having fun. But we need to get the ratio in proportion with the things of God. And we need to feed our spirit first and foremost and more than anything else. Now, I want to hear an amen to that. I'm not trying to make you religious. Don't live life walking around and somebody says hello and you got to quote a scripture. I don't want you to be a spiritual nutcase, but I want the Word of God to be in you. Be real. Why do I preach the way I am? Because I don't want you to copy me and look like a religious nut. Be real, be down to earth, be you, but be full of the Holy Ghost. Be full of the Word of God. Be full of Jesus Christ. And the only way we can do that is by spending time with him. You had Mary and Martha. One is at Jesus' feet. The other one was busy. Oh, I got to do things for him. The best thing you can do for him is be the best you. And the best face of you is the face that lives from your spirit and not from your soul. Can I get an agreement? I'm going to close with this last scripture, and I think this here really concludes the point. You see the disciples falling asleep when Jesus is breaking away to pray, and they immediately went into trouble. They weren't prepared because they still, even though they had the master with them and they did signs and wonders, they lived out of their soul. You say, how can you say that, Pastor Ron? They cast out devils. Yep, yep. But when they had a stand on their own and the master went a few feet away, they were only as strong as their soul. They went to sleep and they got into their ugly face real easy. It was after that that Jesus left. They became men of personal prayer. They became men who studied the word. They became men who now relied on God. It was easy while Jesus was there. Jesus said, I got to go because you guys will never come up to grade until it's just you and this invisible Holy Spirit. And then they became completely different men. David writes in Psalm 27. This is a powerful scripture. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Listen. We all have rejection issues. I am convinced everyone has a rejection issue and we need to let Jesus deal with it and maybe yours has been dealt with, that's good. But rejection is the first curse that came on the human race as a result of the fact that sin separated us from our Creator. That's why the prophet says that he was despised and rejected by men. 
It starts to talk about the sacrificial life and the sacrifice that Jesus would make to atone for our sins. And it starts with, he was rejected and despised by man. His own birth was shrouded in mystery, and God saw fit for that to be the case. God never made a loud statement and said, hey, I want to make sure everybody knows he's not illegitimate. He was born under shrouds of darkness and suspicion because the curse of the world had to be on him. He was carrying the curse of the world, and the first curse he carried was the curse of rejection and the curse of being despised. And so David says, though my father and my mother forsake me, and your parents may have been good, maybe they were less than stellar, but the truth of the matter is uh, rejection has a way of getting inside of us, and it talks to all of us. But David knew how to talk back to his soul. Watch this. David learned how to live from his spirit and talk back to his soul. He said, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. You see, you got to get the Word of God in you when rejection talks to me. And believe me, even though I got delivered of rejection, it comes and looks for opportune moments. It comes and looks for opportunities to kick in my door and to assault my intelligence and my emotions. And when rejection comes, I have to have enough of the Word of God in me that I could say, though my father and my mother reject me, my God, my father, my dad in heaven reject receives me. David was practicing soul talk. And I want you to understand soul talk. The best soul talk is when you let the Spirit of God's Word talk to your soul. Get the Word of God in you and then preach to yourself. Say it to yourself. When the enemy starts to rise up the ugly faces of the soul, speak the Word of God so that your soul has to come into submission to your spirit, which is in submission to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Can I get an agreement? Let's go to this, the next part of this verse. Verse 2 says, Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Anybody live in that street? I've had it over and over and over again. And my worst accusers are usually in the church. The people in the world don't harass me. But it's some who claim that they are Christians that can be the most <laughs> temperamental. They have a temper and they're mental. They call themselves Christians, and maybe they are, but their soul is so damaged, they damage everyone else. And you know what? I've been a part of them. Maybe sometimes, somewhere, you've been a part of them. But the great news is, behold, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, and we're all changing. Thank you, Jesus. So David says after, go back to verse 12, watch this. And I want you to see how David deals with his soul. Don't turn me over to the desires of my foes. False witnesses will rise against me, spouting malicious accusations. Verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David's victories came from the fact that the first giant he conquered was the giant of a broken soul and he learned to wait on God. You know why God made him a king? Because David as a little shepherd boy would watch the sheep and he would take out his harp and sing to the Lord. He was a king in the making as he watched the sheep. 
He worshipped God. He spent time with God. He became entwined with God. And the minute David brought supplies to his brothers and Goliath was on the other side of the mountain and he's ranting and raving, this is what David says. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should talk to the armies of the living God like this? You see, this is a man who taught his soul not to run the roost. And he taught his spirit and fed his spirit on God so that the God face would rise up in him again and again. Would you stand with me? God is good. It is my prayer that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. That you might know the glorious hope to which Christ Jesus has called you. That you might know the riches of your inheritance. And that you might know the incomparable great power of God that is vested in you through Jesus Christ. Paul wrote that because that's what he labored for every day in the church. That people would get the revelation of how wide, how deep, and how strong the love of God is, and what we've been called from, and what we are called to. Church, I can't make time for you to spend with God. But I I promise you, and I have witnesses in this room that would be able to call me a liar if what I'm about to say were not true. But when we have prayer meetings here, seven days a week, Monday to Saturday, Sunday morning, they have it before church over there next door. I'm often crying out in intercession. Father, let them see how good you are. Let them know your goodness. Set them free from their hurts and their wounds. Break off the craziness off of all of us so that we'll be healed in our soul and learn to live from our spirit. That is a genuine, earnest prayer. I pray on a regular basis. Because the enemy will not come to your strong place. He'll come to your weak place. And I want to present you before Christ strong and standing. Every one of us, every one of us have got to get out of the traffic. Come on, church. Moms, you're some of the busiest people on the planet. You're keeping the family together. Dads do a noble job. Moms have full-time jobs and full-time jobs at home. Dads, you need to have full-time jobs and full-time jobs at home. You need to be just as involved with the kids if you're not. But both of you need to be able to step out of the traffic and spend time with God. And your soul will start to be healed and it will start to come into agreement with the Word of God that's in your spirit. And you will redefine the divine order. Spirit, soul, and body and where there's order there's peace and where there's disorder there has to be confusion and chaos come let's set our hearts to run after God men it's not good enough that your wife goes to a prayer meeting it's not good enough that she stays up praying you're called to be the priest of your house And women, that doesn't make you any less because here's another scripture. There's neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. Every one of us are meant to be priests.
We all want to be kings and rule and reign with Jesus, but you're a kingdom first of priests and then kings. Kingship comes out of priesthood. Remember G uh, David, the little shepherd boy? Yeah, he's a shepherd and he's a priest unto the Lord. And he's worshiping the Lord. And it's out of that place that one day God raised him up and he entered into kingship. If we're going to enter into kingship first, we've got to enter into the priesthood. Because a king, without being trained in his spirit, will be unruly by his soul. And that king will bring tyranny. And that king will bring devastation. And that king, by his might, will bring harm and hurt. But if we learn first how to be a priest... We will have the wisdom and the gentleness and the power and the strength to govern like Christ. Do you know Jesus was first priest? Then he was made King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's step into our priesthood. Let's step out of the traffic. And every one of us find time to be with God and to pray and to seek him. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Amen. Listen, everyone look at me for a moment. I say this with absolute sincerity. I believe this with all of my heart. America's in trouble if the church of Jesus Christ doesn't rise up. I'm not just talking about that abortion issue. The church of Jesus Christ this country is going to fall apart. And what we need is for every Christian to stop being comfortable and stop being convenient. Your comfort and your convenience is making you ready for the enemy to come in and fill us with a bunch of holes. You and I must deal with our soul and rise up and become priests of God. This nation doesn't have the answer. And I don't care what political party you put in the White House. As long as it's the White House, it's not the right house. The right house is the house of God. You're the church. Not the pastor of a mega church. You're the church. You're the church. How's the church doing? Look in the mirror. How's the church doing? Look at your study time. Look at your prayer life. How's the church doing? Oh, well, we're, we're believing the church will bring a great revival. That God will send something. You're the church. You're the barometer of the church. You're the thermometer. How's the church doing? Come on, church. Let's step out of the traffic and step into the Spirit and start building our lives on the Word of God, living it and eating it, because if you live it and you eat it, you will be it. Amen. Every eye closed. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, if you've never invited Him to be your Lord and Savior, I don't care if you were kingpin drug dealer. I don't care. I don't care if you were an enforcer. I don't, I, I don't care what things you may have done. Every knee will one day bow to Jesus Christ. You may as well bow to Him now while there's time. I don't care how broken your life has been, how wrecked or how ruined, Jesus came for the lost and for the hurting. Maybe you grew up in church and you rebelled and you walked away. It's time to come home. It's time to let Jesus Christ, not religion, I wish I could erase every religious wound that has ever whipped across your back. In the name of Jesus, Father, release people from religious scars and religious hurts. It's time to make your way back. 
into the one and only, the authentic Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So while every eye is bowed, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, how many of you are ready to say, Jesus, I want to accept you into my heart today. Last week, about nine kids in Kids Connect asked Jesus in their heart. The week before that, four adults here asked Jesus into their heart. How many of you are ready to be big enough to say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. Come on, raise your hand right now. Nice and high and say, Jesus, I want to accept you. Thank you, sir. I see that hand up the back. Thank you. You can put it down. Who else? Others, raise your hand. And say, Jesus, I want to accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. I want to come back to you and live for real the way you want me to live. Who else? How many of you want to make a fresh commitment to the Lord to live passionately for Him? Let me see your hands. Come on. How many of you here want to live passionately for Jesus? Yeah, I I expect every hand now. (laughs) Every hand. Father, you see... Our hearts, Holy Spirit, I pray, I'd be happy if they forget this sermon as long as it affects change in their lives. I'd be happy if they forget my name and forget my antics, but the message of this word affects a change in their lives. Come, Holy Spirit, and change us. Imprint on us the word of God. And woo us and draw us and help us to be mature enough in Christ that we will just step out of the traffic. That we'll say enough and stop everything and put time aside to feed our spirit on your word and to seek your face and pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, for that person who wants to ask Jesus in your heart, come and see me afterwards. But right now, everyone, let's repeat this prayer. And especially if you raised your hand to accept Christ, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me. I need you. And I accept you. Jesus Christ, come into my life and take control of it. I surrender to you. Forgive me of all my sins. Take the steering wheel of my life. Lead me and guide me. Breathe into me today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Father, for those that may have prayed this prayer for the very first time, In Jesus' name, I declare the blood of Christ washing them, setting them free. They are no longer trophies of Satan. Today, the title deed has been ripped up that Satan had on them. The servitude, the the lordship over them is broken And I command every power of darkness to let them go mentally, emotionally, and in their soul and in their spirit. Let them be free. Today we wash them with the blood of Jesus. And Father, I declare by faith in your word, their sins are forgiven. And we release your Holy Spirit to come in them and live in them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.